So my name is Dani Tardif, and right now I could say that I'm a multidisciplinary artist for whatever it means. I mostly do films and writing. I write short story and I perform them. Uh, I want to go toward more performance art and go back to, how do you say in English, like live art or I used to do a lot of theater when I was younger, and but now I'm really interested at with like immersive art, installation performances. So I think I'm going toward that. But my work is also very influenced by the fact that I have an MA in anthropology, and I'm training to become a hypnotherapist. So, like my art is very much, you know, linked to that. So I've always wanted to do movie ever since I was a kid and when I decided to go in anthropology was my goal, my end goal was to make movie. So when I was writing the fin my final thesis in anthropology, some of, one of my friends gave me a book, which is the book, the movie is inspired by a book called A Country of Ghosts by Margaret O'Doy. And my friend was like, oh, you're such an idealist. You're going to love this book. In that book, the real the the world that was created really appealed to me, and I was really inspired by it. And so that's why I decided that maybe it could be a good idea to adapt a book as a first movie. And then in the process, I realized that it was not <laughs> easier at all. It's much, 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 much harder. But so that's how. I took, it as, I took it as an open door to transition from university when I decided I was not going to pursue a PhD to go back to filmmaking and art. And I, then I just contacted a bunch of my friends with some of whom had experiences and some who didn't, but all shared the political awareness or like that dream of like how we can live together a desire to make it happen in the here and now and all of them were queer or trans or marginalized in some way and my goal was to try to make a movie that would be political in, the, in its process so trying to have a collective that would not have the hierarchies of the cinema industry which was one of the first reason why I stopped art school when I was like I decided to not continue in art because I was not impressed with how the artistic world worked. But then doing social science, I was like, well, you know, capitalism is the era and everything is like that. So if that's what I want to do, I'm just going to do it. So I started making movies this way in a very DIY, autonomous, autogéré kind of way. We were very naive though, because I don't think you can you, I don't think you can have a collective that has no hierarchies and no powers, especially if you're doing something that is so structured as cinema. I mean, like there's so many coordination that can be made. But it was an interesting experience. And after that, I continued making lots of short movies. Nous sommes des anarchistes et nous sommes immortels. Ensemble, nous parcourons les vallées. Planons nos jardins, réinventons le mot famille. Les montagnes que nous habitons sont immenses. 
Elles sont l'enceinte de nos villages et nos villes. Celles qui y habitent le font par choix, depuis des siècles. Et certains ne sont pas les bienvenus. Okay, so, it's a sci-fi. What made you decide to work in this genre? So I love science fiction, and I don't care what people say. I was afraid that people would say that this was not a science fiction because people who love science fiction are nerds, and I feel like people who love science fiction have chasse gardée. They're like, it's gonna be science fiction only if it's in the space with like technologies and stuff. And for me, it is science fiction because even though we don't really see it as much in the movie than in the book, there is alternative technologies and I wish we could have more of that but with the budget we had it was not possible um, this the, tech, the construction of the cities are very different so what appealed to me in science fiction was the idea that you could dream of a different world and be inspired to then act concretely in the world that you have So like any kind of radical writers or radical artists that use science fiction or alternative reality to create art, for me it's much more inspiring to use your imagination to build something different than to just recreate the old, exactly the same thing that you see in the actual world. And I feel like for me this is a way of having, a, I don't know, a very sensitive impact on people's reaction to the world because you feeling that there's hope of something different for me it's opening a huge window into the concrete of what you think is possible or not because i'm a fan of this kind of art and literature and movies i want to create something that i want to see and there's There is more and more queer science fiction, and for whatever reason, in Quebec right now, it's like an epiphenia, I don't know what, like there's so much queer science fiction being produced, and I'm so interested. And so I want to create art that I want, that is inspiring me, and I'm a fan of Ursula Le Guin, um, Margaret Kiljoy, even if it, not someone is like, in the writing, it's not that queer, it's like queerish. And there's other science fiction books that I've read that that opened that. So I was I wanted to like be inspired by those people who came before me. But the actual real reason is because I feel like when you're queer, all of a sudden the the normative world in which we are thought that we think exists kind of collapses at some point when you're like, oh well, what everyone told me that the world was supposed to be doesn't really exist because I'm not of this world or I'm not of the same fabric. So when you grow up, it's like creating another other connection, other ways of being, other ways of creating relationship because there's no more, or I feel like the walls of what is possible either you disappear or they change or they are farther away than how they used to be. There's so much space for other forms of things. And because people don't really like to stay too much in the void, they like to fill the space, then 
new forms of being emerges or new forms of relationships. So for me, having a queer science fiction was very important or interesting because I wanted to contribute to new forms of discourse about how we can be in the world. But also because um, I feel like the queer revolution is <laughs> the queer revolution. <laughs> I feel like the gay liberation movement of the 60s and the 70s didn't went far enough for me. And for many other people, I'm pretty sure it's not just about because they fought for laws and rights and identity and all that was so 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 important but then now that gays are tolerated i feel like they still haven't like had an impact on like how the actual world is and like the heterosexual norms is still prevalent it's just that now you can be different and be part of it a bit like multiculturalism with like white supremacy so i wish that with art like <laughs> queer and gay people could actually offer the kind of creation relational creation that they've been working on for so long and share with with the rest of the world and try to work on practices of care everyone has a gender but even if they're not trans how can you question that like what is your true desires even if you're not gay i'm pretty sure you could question that in some way how do you want to create community is the monogamous like nuclear families really the cultural epiphany of north like you know i'm not i want people to dream about their life and i want people to be queer in their way of existence and i think that art is a good way of doing this however doing this uh, makes me a bit afraid because i feel like queer is very trendy and i don't want i don't know i'm afraid that the queers are just going to be like you know yeah taken yeah. by the mainstream culture and then then just again tolerated and just like the actual queer would still be at the margin but we would have like all great fashion <laughs> yeah I've been struggling with the theme of war a lot after the movie was done. Of like, <laughs> why why was I so appealed? Why is it that book that I chose? Why did I chose a book to make a movie in the first place? But trying to make sense of it and process this, I think I needed to process or to experience in some way how war was impacting me in a country that is at war but that we don't see. So I was reading a lot about what it's like to be in a war, reading a lot of movie. I feel like even if it's not something that we experience, it's still very part of our psychic uh, realities. And at the same time, I was very conflicted because I was like, how can we as a collective talk about something that we never experienced? But I was like, we still experience it from afar. We cannot just shy away from a reality. You know, like how can we connect with this that we're still part of it? We're still at work and that is at work. Like, 
the world went for. And also I'm afraid that I'm part of the same generation that is afraid of the apocalypse, right? Of like the climate change and the end of the world as we know it because of capitalist wars. And so I wonder what it's gonna be like if it erupts. How are we going to behave if war reach home at some point? So I wanted to ask this question and I wanted, but I also wanted to ask them in a way that was not creating a sensational reality out of this. I wanted to question the heroic archetype that, um, I don't know, patriotism and nationalism use as a tool to make war a good thing or a thing that we should look forward or something that gives us validation and glory. So how can you talk about war without making it, I don't know, appealing? Because also I was very inspired by movies of um, the anarchist filmmaker Ken Lo, who talks about war, but more as what kind of relationship are created in the interstice of the war when you're actually waiting because a war from what I've read or heard is a lot of waiting. And I wonder how much, like, you know, it feels like if we're waiting for war to reach home. So that's how I live it. And I'm talking about war as like international war, but we're also in some kind of, we're still on unceded land. And so there's still wars with native people who are trying to reclaim their land against um, a state that is not, I don't know, who wants, I, how do you say that in English? Who wants um, to say they're sorry, but actually don't really want to end this war, like give reparation in any way? And so that's also a very big question for our movie because we're talking about anti-imperialist wars in the alternative world. So we're not actually on unceded lands, but we shut it. The movie was made on unceded lands. And so how can you erase? It's not just by saying that it's an alternative world. It's a science fiction that you erase those political questions. And we still haven't really figured out how to, because it's people who fight for their lands, you know? And we're like, well, we're not the one fighting for our lands. We are on lands that don't belong to us. So we haven't figured out the answer to this question, but we decided that we wanted to still put this movie in the world and continue this question but we decided that the move the money that if we make money with this movie we would like to give it um to groups that are fighting for their land on the lands where we shot the movie we really wanted that the movie to focus on love and friendship and also on the kind of love that for us is actually really we're in sci-fi like friendship love community love for me it's really 
radical to say that the, the love is actually a love from between all beings that are trying to create new kind of lives together and what it looks like. Yeah. So there's there's there are some flirtatious moments and there's a dance party. It's not a queer movie, but the story is not about like someone finding true love and then being totally fulfilled for the rest of their life, which I think was important too. Je comprends pas bien vos fonctionnements. But chef, no chiefs. We're all here because we want to or because we feel we have to. Everybody risks their lives. How does anything get done? Lisa, t'as vu? S'écoute les uns les autres et on discute. C'est vrai que dans les conseils à la maison, les décisions sont longues à prendre parce qu'on est nombreuses, mais ici dans les ministres, on essaie d'accélérer un peu les choses. Why did you choose to make a bilingual film? And how did you make the script work uh, mm -hmm. in both languages? That's a very good question. It was a lot of work, but I think it's totally worth it. <laughs> I mean, I hope, I hope it works out for people when they're going to see it. But I think at first it was very much a question of practicalities because in our queer milieu in Montreal, we couldn't, like our community is so bilingual. It was really hard for us to just um, find people that would speak only French or only English because then, not that it wasn't enough people, but the actual people that we wanted to work with spoke both languages and some of them didn't speak either English or French and so at first we we're like okay so what should we do about this and then we were like well actually um, why why don't we make a movie that reflects how we do this a lot of people speak English and French and we just mix it up and in the actual book um, people from different regions speak different languages and they all understand each other without needing to translate because they all speak multiple languages. So we decided to keep this and to adapt it to our reality. But when we had to write the script, it became more complex because we were like, okay, how are we going to do this? Is the empire going to be anglophone or francophone? Is the free companies, like the people who live in the woods, going to English or French, but like as the empire is anglophone in the context of like Quebec nationalism, like what does it mean? Like, is it about imperialism? Is it about separationism? We're like, we don't want to talk about this. This is not what we want to talk about. So, what we decided to do was to find a cast regardless of whatever language they spoke, and so we translated and wrote the in French and in English, and all our documents, all the casting documents, everything was in both languages. Wow. Wow. It was so much work, but then we told people according to um, how they related to the character's energy. And even in our casting documents, no character has gender. It was all written in ways that they could be played by a man, a woman, a trans people, any kind of creature. And so then we created 
the final script with people's language, people's gender, or if they wanted to experience another one in the movie, if they wanted to. And then we finalize the script when everyone was chosen. And then we trans we retranslated it um, in English and French so that everyone could at least understand what we're doing. And afterwards, after like a year, a year later, when the whole filming, editing, everything was done, then the translators, the people who worked in the, on the movie who accepted the translate had to um, transcribe the whole movie again and translate it again because the lyrics changed from the actual script so that we could have subtitles <laughs> for the whole movie. And it was very complicated to do that too. But I think for the final versions, we're going to have one movie with English subtitles, one with French subtitles, and potentially, potentially one with English and French subtitles in reverse languages so that people who don't hear can actually read the whole movie or have difficulty hearing. So, yeah, we thought it was an interesting way of like showing internationalism and how, you know, we can all come together. <laughs> What was your approach to constructing a, a heterotopie in Quebec on a low, what I assume was a low budget? Oh, wow. It was such a low budget. It makes no sense. I worked on other movie afterward, and now I see what we've done for this movie. I'm, I cannot believe it. How we've done it, I think it's definitely because we have a lot of friends. And because a lot of people worked for free or almost for free on this movie, which is not something that I I will be willing to do again, but I'm so, so, so grateful for all the work that has been put on this movie. Um, definitely to create that world, it was also a lot of, um, if you don't have the money to buy things or to create things, you need a lot of time to actually scavenge the things. So most of the things that you see are things that people have really given that were found in the garbage that were like the people who worked on the artistic direction organized um, collect days where everyone would give their old clothes and then they would take the whole clothes and then remake it batch it and create a, a, a different world and <laughs> the DAs would like spend so much time in the streets like finding use structure at some point there's one scene it's like two seconds and you can see huge glass structures like roofs that are on the on the earth and they're painted with a lot of colors and it looks like there's like smoke coming out of it and we don't see it or we don't see it at all it's like so fast but just the detail the energy of the detail of like they found those roofs in Montreal, they took it from the garbage, put it in a van, and we drove them on the camp three hours away from Montreal in the woods where we shot the whole movie. And they painted it to be sure that at least some people, that people could have an idea that there was a city that was unreal, that there was like houses on the earth and that the houses were inside the earth. 
So you just need a lot of imagination. And we were so lucky to work with Larija Albert and Elie Girard, who, who did the whole visioning of this. And they, they had a whole team of people, like, I don't know, doing patches and sewing stuff. We built an autonomous camp on the land, on the farm of the parents of my, one of the persons in the movie, in Utahuel, on La Petite Nation. So we were there for 10 or 12 days. And we had, we were, I mean, it's like that for every kind of movie, right? But then we drove over there, everyone had their tents. We had a collective kitchen where one person was like kind of coordinating that there was enough food for everybody, but everybody would help and volunteer. And we would shoot from nine to midnight almost every day. And it was raining so much. So like, <laughs> there was just like mud everywhere on the cameras. And we didn't really add electricity because we just had one, the home of their parents. And it was actually, um, obviously in English, in bergerie for sheep. But you're a sound person. Imagine what it does. It's a farm full of sheep. And we just shoot everywhere around the, you know, and we didn't thought it would be a problem. <laughs> we just like, anyway. So it was uh, very demanding, very intense. And also we had, um, we had some people in the cast that have different types of bodies and capacities. And so trying to accommodate that and make it as accessible as we could in the forest, like it was a huge challenge. For me, it was really hard, and I think for everybody, it was a really hard experience to realize that actual, actually, cinema is a medium that's really hard, especially for doing a long project like that, because what you see is what you get. You can, you know, you there. It's like it's kind of a medium that calls for perfection, because you're gonna say, oh, well, it was just really hard and. We needed to take a break, so we just didn't finish it. But... Even though if it was a hard and challenging experience, I do know that a lot of people from this experience could meet each other in that way. And a lot of friendship and relationship were built on that camp. d'observer et de pas trop poser de questions. Tu vas apprendre beaucoup comme ça. On est foutus.